0: Hello, this is Pastor Rebecca Bateman of Doylestown Presbyterian Church. As our podcast audience continues to grow, I want to thank our loyal listeners and welcome those who may have just recently found us. We know that life can quickly become so busy, so this podcast offers an on-the-go opportunity to hear Sunday's sermon along with a scripture lesson from that day's lay leader or preacher. We also encourage you to visit our website at dtownpc.org to learn more about our church and all the diverse ministries. Thank you for tuning in. Today's scripture comes from Matthew chapter 25 verses 31 through 46. It can be found on page 27 in your pew bibles. Listen for these words as they fall upon your ears afresh this morning. When the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will then sit on the throne of glory all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates sheep from goats. And he will put the sheep on his right hand and the goats to his left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you took care of me, in prison and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you were hungry, gave you food, or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you were a stranger and welcomed you and naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And then the king will answer Truly I tell you, just as you did it for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. Then he will say to those on his left hand, You are accursed. Depart from me into the eternal fire prepared by, for by the devil, by his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me, naked and you did not give me clothing, sick and you did not visit me. Then they will also answer, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry, thirsty, a stranger, naked, sick, or in prison and we did not take care of you? He will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did not do it for one of the least of these, you did not do it for me. And these will go away into your eternal punishment, But the righteous into eternal life. This is the word of the Lord. Would you pray with me? Oh, Lord, our God, we are so thankful to have your words match our ears today. And as we continue to think about what this passage might mean for our own lives, let us be moved as your spirit moves. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, it's officially the magical season when the pretend and hopeful fake snowflakes meet the real ones. There are special celebrations and parties. And there's also a personal reflection of, have I been good enough this year? Perhaps encouraged by generations who grew up with Santa, who divides everyone into a naughty and a nice list. And maybe some of you have encountered this edition of Elf on the Shelf, The elf does some of of Santa's most dirty work. Mm -hmm. And many this season participate in a seasonal redress of imbalance of haves and have-nots, giving to participate in charities or churches that match needs and resources, and somehow maybe get off this naughty list or solidify their spot on the nice list am I on the naughty or nice list sounds awfully like some of the questions that Jesus got regarding people's own salvation. It sounds like, teacher, what good deed must I do to gain eternal life? Who will be given the kingdom of God? Or in other words, who's in and who's out? And what's really behind this is, God, am I enough? To which Jesus gives long chapters, including our passage for today in Matthew 25, and we see the imagery here of the sheep and the goats being separated, and then the second part are practical ways in which we can help one another, other humans. This passage has long been thought of a story about ethics and how we treat one another, particularly the most vulnerable around us, and there's certainly plenty of sermon material there. And commentators wonder about the imagery of the sheep and the goats, maybe not necessarily as individuals, but maybe entire nations that don't recognize Israel as God's chosen people. But something stood out to me more so that wasn't a division between sinners and saints, or the naughty and nice people, but there was a third group in this reordering of God's kingdom. How the Gospel of Matthew's listeners who are marginalized themselves would have felt to hear this message and be seen by God. By a God who is near, not distant. God who knows our most basic needs. So what if this is a passage with a beautiful description of the Kingdom of God, where Jesus is very present in our world today? For those who are hungry, not only for food, but also for basic human needs. To know that Jesus is right there alongside them. For those who are thirsty, not only for water, but for knowledge that would provide them freedoms. And to know that Jesus is right there beside them. And for those who are naked, not only the recipients of a clothing drive, but those who have been uncovered and live in shame and for Jesus to be next to them. For those who are sick, not only in the hospital, but also crushed under the pressure of unseen illnesses, to know that Jesus is right there alongside them. For those who are in prison, not literally behind bars only, but feel imprisoned by systems of oppression, whether external or internal, and to know Jesus is right alongside them. In this text, to see this third group of this parable as those who are marginalized and God, who is near, not distant, knows and intimately hears them. That's the kingdom of God where Christ reigns. When was the last time you got near to those who feel marginalized? That's the place you'll find Jesus. Jesus. I best saw the glimpse of the kingdom of God in this way in the dining room of Union Station Homeless Services in Pasadena, California, a place that can be so bad that a cop is always on duty in the dining hall. At that time, I was a pastor at an affluent church, and some of the tasks of my ministry can feel mundane. Some of the programs can feel like babysitting. And I always get a little too excited when I order the exact number of pizzas needed for a youth group event. And some tasks can feel invigorating, like crafting meaningful experiences for all ages, ones where you can dig deeper into themselves and risky enough that we can all experience the humanity of others, and being with families as they take next steps with loved ones. One task I loved in particular because it was so impactful every time, even though it was different, regularly taking the youth to serve food at this local homeless services soup kitchen. We'd met as we usually do at church and then piled into the vans to carpool. And over the course of the short ride, we chatted eagerly about which one wanted to do what, serve drinks, plate the food, try not to eat the dessert, who was going to serve the residents and who was going to pray for dinner. One, two, three, not it. Their favorite job, however, was cleaning up because they got to use the industrial sprayer and spray some of their friends. We got out of the cars, about two dozen teenagers, and we entered into the back door of the kitchen, and I entered last. And I reached the door and I heard this thick, barking voice. Cornered in a now-filled kitchen, the sole volunteer turned around from the stove. Her eyes widened. She hadn't gotten word that we were coming. She peered up at the crowd of teens as she wrung her hands in her apron, waving her spoon like a queen with a scepter. She directed the movements of the teen, and she barked orders at them, telling Joshua and Daniel and Tyler to turn around, go back to the cars. And then she relegated Mez and Julia and Allie to the back corner of the kitchen, calling them children. Lily was called by Union Station to cook in last-minute situations. And we had been later than usual. She had just been about ready to start cooking when we burst in. And I recognize how hard that service for 100 people with one server can be. I've done it myself with very few helpers. And though she herself wasn't cooking under a pressure cooker, she seemed like she was under a lot of pressure herself. I asked in a very quiet voice, aren't we able to find something for us to do and not let all our food go to waste? Learly peered above her glasses at me, almost confused if I was another teenager. We humbly presented what we had brought, lifting the foil corners of our carefully wrapped food so she could peek inside the trays. And you could hear the flutter of the flame on the burners and the bubbling of her pot of chicken and she broke the silence saying, I'll see what we can use. Lily motioned to Jeremy and Sean, they could dish the rice. She told Esther to put down the cookies until we were ready for dessert. Glover and Carrie got to make lemonade and she thought to herself Juliet and Luke could put the main course in the back refrigerators and then she second-guessed herself because the back refrigerators are no place for a teenager, they're dangerous. For 20 years she had been working in a cafeteria at an elementary school around the corner and so she knew her way around a kitchen. At some point I glanced at the clock, almost time to serve. So I came over from helping the teens with whatever they were doing and I said, Lily, the teens have been here before, Love the tradition of going into the dining room and introducing ourselves, saying what's on the menu that evening and praying with the residents. We let them know that we'll be coming out to serve them instead of them standing up and walking through a buffet line. She barks back, why do you think there's a cop out there? It's too dangerous. And I admit, it can get rough out there. Sometimes I forget who we're serving. Well, the mealtime is upon us, but this is really why I take the teens there. It's not just about the service hours that we get for preparing the meal. So my body heated up from inside of me as I started over to Lily and I walked in front of her, and I started giving the teens directions. Let's line up and get out there and go into the dining room. I said all this before Lily could stop us, and the teen chatter overtook the room. We surrounded those who had gathered for dinner. We prayed with them, and we returned to the kitchen to bring out the plates to serve them. The cop raised his eyebrows, but as I monitored the teens, the teens' waiters and waitresses in the dining room, I could tell that he had a handle on the room, and we all felt palpably safe. The teens then took their own turn with their own plate of food. Mez and Julia sat down with Rosette. She mentioned she had been a former Rams cheerleader, and it didn't matter that it was true. But it did matter that someone was taking her seriously. Ben and Ethan joined a table where some others were playing chess, and they eagerly awaited their turn. And that's why we do this, so that you could see the wonder on their faces. After dessert, we were cleaning up, and Lily comes over and grabs my arm. She gathers us all up, and she hands her phone with the camera app open to one of my drivers, Cindy, and she asks to take a picture of us. Later, David, The security guard comes into the kitchen, wanting to catch us all before we left. It turns out that he's a former military and spent most of his career in a juvenile detention center. He rarely had an opportunity to see a group of youth who are as well-behaved and loving towards one another and willing to give up their time for such a selfless act. It was more than just the teens who experienced something unusual and special that evening. And as we gathered to leave, Lily didn't want to say goodbye. She asked for my phone number so that we could share pictures back and forth with one another. The pictures we took that night were of the kingdom of God. Though I didn't see it at the time, I knew undeniably that Jesus was amongst us there. God, not far off, but present in the people that we see. And doing the work together brought us not only closer to a community, but also brought us closer to the kingdom of God. Jesus calls us to feed the hungry people, simply because people are hungry. Yet we would be dishonest with ourselves if we dismiss the fact that showing up for our neighbors nourishes our own soul as well. And perhaps that's been the point all along. It would be just like our God, the sovereign Lord of all creation, who shows up among us as a vulnerable human baby, to link the salvation of our souls and the redemption of the entire cosmos to a simple daily effort to care for one another. In the difficult seasons of the world and in our lives, we are called to feed hungry people. And in doing so, I also know that we taste grace. Amen and amen. Thank you again for joining us today. Once again, I invite you to check out dtownpc.org for information about our worship and programming for all ages.